Hi, this is Filthy Monkey Man Tony DeBono, and I never listen to I Doll It With Dowdemore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us on this episode 130 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, the showing up late, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is the angelic Brittany Page. That's right. (laughs) You like that, huh? I do like that. Yeah, well, sorry we're late. This is the first late posted episode without some kind of uh, explanation, Mm -hmm. and it was because I was real tired. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just like everyone to know that I was very stressed and did not want to do that, but Jesse was real tired. I was real tired. Well, our flight was delayed coming home. Yes, and which means you get in a little late and then, you know, I'm I'm just generally kind of a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time at the airport and flying yesterday. We, yes. we got to the airport at 1 p.m. and then we didn't get home until 9.30. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get home until probably 10 o'clock. Yeah, so yeah. it was a long day of traveling and being right. dirty. And hungry and everything else. We had to get something to eat. Anyway... All of that notwithstanding, we are back and very happy, very happy to be back in our comfortable surrounds. Right. Because you were saying we we actually met someone who had just listened to the podcast the last episode and that was the first one they had ever heard. And we said, oh, no, 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 don't. Yeah. Don't yeah. just take that one and, and think that's what the show is. Listen to the next one, because on that last episode, we took our portable equipment and our portable equipment is not very comfortable or conducive to having a good show it really lets me know because i've i've romanticized somehow that it's kind of a sexy thing to go on the road and do a show and uh nope no good (laughs) not something i want to do again we'll have to either just fucking go on vacation maybe i'll put together a best of or who knows i have all these grandiose ideas about it that'll never come to fruition but Mm -hmm. Suffice it to say, we're back. We're back on track. We're, we apologize for being a few hours late on this particular episode and leaving you hanging this morning for your morning commute, not having my stupidity to accompany you on your morning drive. I'm sure people have been concerned. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good trip. Ultimately, we really had a good time. It's nice to get out and leave the paradise in which we live, Orange County, the, the beach and the beautiful weather. We left 75 and sunny and went to 90 degree scorching hot. Oh, it was too hot. <laughs> it was hot. But it's always a good time to hang out with loved ones and to see people you haven't seen in a while. It's always bountiful, wonderful discussions, lots of delicious food and drink. Yes. It's, that's always a good time. You know, it's funny. We, t- we talk to, we always have large gatherings of people because it's, Everybody wants to see us. We want to see them. So we kind of just organize large meetings, large dinners or whatever. And we were talking to one of my friends 
an atheist and business owner. Mm-hmm. And they were explaining that they wished <laughs> they wished that they could ask the religion. Now they're an atheist, mind you, but they wish they could ask the religion of their different applicants mm-hmm. prior to hiring. And for a reason you might not expect, they said that they wished that they could ask the religion so they could hire one particular religion. Mm. Yeah. Atheists. Atheists, yeah. Because they wanted to hire... Well, I was going to play a little game with you, have you guessed, but they want Mormons. Only Mormons. Only Mormons. When they hire high school kids, when they hire young adults, they only want Mormons. Because they are upright upstanding, honest, trustworthy, reliable, and they have found through the experience of owning their business that when they hire, whether it be regular kids or secular kids or regular, you know, normal, average, run-of-the-mill Christian kids, they're not as reliable. As the Mormons. As the Mormons, yeah. They they breed them up right somehow. Yeah, so this atheist business owner wants to just hire exclusively Mormons. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And I can I can see why. I mean, I, I've met a lot of people who don't even know what a Mormon is or don't know what the Mormon faith entails. But for those people that haven't been around them, they really are just great people. They're very pure. That's what I always say about them. They just exude purity. Right. Well, they don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't curse. They're very tight knit with their families. We're talking about the way they behave, not the way and the ideas that they have. Right. Because the Mormon church on its face donates or did donate millions and millions and millions of dollars to causes like Prop 8. Right. Or against Prop 8 or whatever that vote, how that went down. So they're totally anti-gay marriage. Terrible, terrible shit like that. However, the people really are decent human beings and it is because they come from that idea where they need to have these strong family units right and that's really entrenched in the religion they have family home evening where you you know have to shut in with the family and play monopoly turn off the tv and turn on the monopoly game yeah and that's awesome (laughs) that's awesome i would have loved to have that when i was a kid yeah i even envied my mormon friends growing up because i grew up in idaho where there's lots and lots of mormons But I grew up around them and loving the idea of not only family home evening, but just just having dinner with one another. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. We didn't have family dinners. It was get what you can, scrounge for what you can. And then go wherever. Yeah. And then, you know. Head to your room. Retire to the basement or wherever (laughs) you lived. I mean, it it wasn't a, a cohesive family, you know, nuclear kind of family, although they're not really a nuclear family because they often have. Lots and lots of kids. Yeah. No good. Too many. So anyway, good trip. Interesting. We really had a good time. It's very good to be back. We're happy to be bringing you twice a week episodes filled with the traditional news. News. And ridiculous comment. We're very happy to be back. If you have anything you'd like to say, 657-464-7609. That is our number. And we want to hear from you. We want you to contribute. So nuclear family just means a couple and their dependent children. Oh, really? I thought it meant like the 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 average man, woman, and two point six children or whatever. No, no. Okay, well, 
Thanks for correcting me. Back to shitting on Jesse Dollimore, everybody. Good time. Well, I was going to correct you immediately, but then I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong. So I just Googled it really quick. Right. And yeah. I'm right. Once again, the phone number for those of you who would like to join Brittany in shitting on me, 657-464-7609. As always, you can email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollimore.com. So before we get to anything, I want to do a little follow-up. Hopefully, I don't think this will be the case, but hopefully this will be the last mentions of the deplorable child molester, Josh Duggar, that we hear on this program. However, I, I cherish, I really relish moments when I'm able to, to play a clip of someone whom I don't like when they're saying something that I really like. Right. And this is the case with this clip coming up. Greg Gutfeld is a guy who works for Fox News. He hosts Red Eye and he is a member of the Five. And I think he may have just gotten his own show. Oh, really? I think so. Huh. Anyway, he is uh he he thinks he's a funny guy. He colors himself a funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's why I don't like him, because I just don't think he's funny, and he really thinks he's funny. Well, he loves metaphors. Well, he's if you're familiar with Dennis Miller and De- Dennis Miller's old show on HBO, he would say, oh, it's like I'm a Machiavellian hubbardin, like comparing himself to something very obscure and historical. Yeah. And Greg Gutfeld is a poor man's... It's not even a poor man's. He's a starving to death version <laughs> of Dennis Miller. And it's just no good. It doesn't play. Mm-hmm. And I listen, ultimately, I don't like him because I don't think he's funny. And he really thinks he's funny. That's what it that's it. Okay. Anyway, he had some things to say on the five while talking to Juan Williams about this whole Josh Duggar situation related specifically to the religion thing. And I think it was really good. Is there a backlash against them because of their Christian values? Uh, no, there's a backlash against them because they have a sick son who molested maybe his siblings and was protected by it. That's why. Um, in the context, this is confession for some people is a way out of heinous activity. Uh, sick creeps are saying, like, God, I have been forgiven, and therefore, isn't that enough? I've suffered. They're using religion as a shield, and that's disgusting. To me, that's disgusting. Well, hold on, hold on. Mike Huckabee says, as mm-hmm. he's running for president, he says, there's an insensitive bloodthirst. That's a quote from, right. from candidate Huckabee saying, and that, these, that her, the critics are dre- dredging up sins from long ago right. to somehow lambast and unfairly lambast the Duggars. Yeah, I guess, though, when you put entire family on TV, that is bound to happen. But I wonder if Josh were a member of CARE... Would uh, forgiveness by uh, Huckabee or anybody else be as uh, discussed like this if if the Duggars weren't part of a religious team that you belong to, would you be as sympathetic? Uh, A criminal, a criminal who exalts uh, an organized religion that you belong to will be treated better than a criminal that is not part of your religious group. So if I were to commit a crime because I'm not religious, I would be seen less sympathetic as a Duggar doing a more heinous crime because he's part of your religious team. That's wrong. How do you see this, Dana? So CARE, he mentioned CARE. That is the Council on American Islamic Relations. That's right, which has ties to terrorism. Right. So he's making the point that 
well, people are defending Josh Duggar because he's a Christian, but what if he was a Muslim? That's exactly right. Would you be defending him molesting his sisters if he was a Muslim? Right. Would would, would there be the... Would, would Mike Huckabee take to Facebook writing this glowing, loving tribute to the family and how wonderful they are and that he was just a boy just playing doctor? <laughs> right. And, and why is it different? It shouldn't be any different just because it's a different religion, but it's back to that in-group, out-group thing. That's exactly right. And it's, well, he's a part of your group and anyone outside of your group, well, they should be treated differently. When really, it's just all child molesters should maybe be treated similarly. Yes, very, very (laughs) similarly. And listen, I really, I have to, I work hard at trying to be as unbiased as I can. Because a guy for whom I've had some affection, Denny Hastert, the the former Speaker of the House. Oh, right. I mean, I don't so much align myself politically with him now. But at one point, I really respected him and thought he was great. And, you know, it's hard to just ditch that admiration. Well... He's coming out now with, you know, an indictment by the FBI because of financial improprieties or whatever that is directly related to the possible molestation of children while he was a wrestling coach. Well, fuck that guy. I don't have any support for that. If you've done something as deplorable and damaging as molest young children, then you're fucking cut off. I'm not going to take to Facebook like Mike Huckabee and defend just because you're a buddy of mine. Not going to do it. Right. And the in-group, out-group thing is kind of what you were talking about in playing this Greg Gutfeld clip because you're not a fan of him. That's right. But this is a perfect example of, well, you may not like someone, but that doesn't mean they're wrong about everything or that you should completely disregard everything they have to say. Even someone that you dislike may be right sometimes. And it's good to recognize that. Unfortunately, Brittany Page... Unfortunately, you are right. Because <laughs> I, I don't like Greg Gutfeld. So, but he said, th- what he said was succinct and beautiful and matches what I wish I could have said as eloquently. Me too. Why didn't we think of that? Say. It pains me to say. Another little piece of follow-up. Uh, you know, this whole, <laughs> the next several stories are all kind of centered around religion. We don't like to do strictly skeptic or atheist type of, uh, of of content. However, when it's there, it's there. And that jackass pastor from Arizona, Stephen Anderson, we've talked about him on the show before. He is back at it talking about the Caitlyn Jenner situation with all of the Christian love and sympathy that you could imagine. You know, and, and for example, you know, this week, this this filthy sodomite picture is everywhere and people are showing this transvestite or transgender or whatever this guy is. You know what I'm talking about? This this athlete or whoever he is. I don't know who it is. I never even heard of him before this week. Bruce Jenner has basically mutilated his body, apparently. And 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 you know what? He's being praised by our president. Our president Obama is praising him for or, or praising her. We don't even know what it is. I think that he used the female pronoun about somebody named Bruce and said, you know, oh, oh, such courage. You're so wonderful. Oh, you know, our, our president is praising the wicked here. Okay. And, and there's just all the, and I mean, this, this filthy pervert is just like on all these magazine covers and just, 
everywhere, just being crammed on our throat, to literally, like hundreds of millions of people, literally hundreds of millions of people are being subjected to looking at a trans freak. And this person is just the, the evangelist of sodomy and filth to the world. And you know what? And, people are, and, then, and then people are like, oh, we need to pray for him that he finds Jesus. I'm going to pray that he dies and goes to hell. Are you serious? Look, I have nothing but hate. When I see a man dressed up as a woman who has mutilated his body to become a woman and saying, hey, look at me, everybody. Look at me, kids. I mean, the kids in America today, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old are seeing this freak and having their minds perverted and ruined permanently. I hope, I listen to me, I hate him with a perfect hatred. Amen. I have no love, no love for this Bruce freak. Yeah. Wow. Are you kidding me with the people that are saying amen to what he's saying? It is. Listen, I don't think that this guy, I want to say this up front. I don't think he represents mainstream Christianity. But what this points to is just how easily the scriptures, because he uses scriptures in the rest of the sermon. Right. How easily you can use the perfect word of God mm -hmm. to get your point across and to twist what the Bible may have actually said into something different. Right. He Very easily he did that. And the problem with the Bible is there's lots of bad shit in there to run with to have terrible ideas. But this guy, I don't know why I didn't do this in the beginning. What a terrible, damaging, worthless human being. This man, while it is a beautiful thing that he has the freedom to say the things that he's saying, he has a congregation of our, however many. I, I think it's only a couple hundred people. But he has a congregation of human beings who are, like you said, oh, amen, oh, oh, yeah, amen, brother. You preach it. You're saying it true. It's just weird because you're going to a church where someone is this Bruce freak. I right. mean, it's not even like an intellectual discussion that they're having. No, it, well, come on now. It's it's a sermon. Well, you know, <laughs> but he's not even trying to make it seem like he's an intellectual person. Well, he, here's what freaks me out about it is the fact that he's completely stepping away from any understanding of theology that to die and go to hell is a permanent proposition. Hell isn't for a time or a season. Hell is eternal. For if there was a thousand trillion trillion years, it's longer than that. Right. I mean, so he wants Caitlyn Jenner, because of the way that she was born, to die and go to hell for eternity. And be tortured. Right. I mean, why is he so angry about this? What about this situation is making him so angry? And I'm definitely seeing this kind of vitriol on Facebook on on links about Caitlyn Jenner. And I just don't get it. People saying, well, we shouldn't have to be exposed to this. And Right. Well, well you know what? If you don't want to be exposed to it, then live like a fucking Amish person and wheel your horse-drawn buggy to the store every day and don't have TV because this is the world in which we live. Right, it's the world. You're you're saying you don't want to be exposed to the world. 
well, different things happen and things you right. might not be used to and it's it's going to be okay. Right. And Absolutely. Calm down just because you're being exposed to it. You're you're going to be okay. You'll live. It just baffles me that he is it, it's just baffling to me. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wanted to play it because it is just so in your face and hateful. Hateful. And also, what is what is I'm going to hate him slash her? I don't I don't know the pronoun he used, but I'm going to hate him with a perfect hatred. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> does that just mean the most hatred he could possibly come up with? Is he talking about like God's perfect hatred? Is that a thing? I. I, well, I know God does. There is talk in the Bible about God hating shit. Yeah. But so maybe that's what he means. He's going to hate like God hates or something. And that's it's, perfect. It's not in the purview of human beings to 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 exhibit godlike behaviors. You right. know what I mean? Right. It, this guy's just he is a. I have a feeling and maybe this is just me thinking positively about things and trying to be an optimist. I have a feeling he's really playing it up because he knows that Right Wing Watch or the Forward Progressive or these different websites, I think he knows they, they've they tuned into him and now they're going to feature him on their websites. And he thinks that's positive? Well, I think he's like a, a six-year-old kid who... Just wants attention? He knows, look, any attention's good. If I, if I fuck with the cat and make it scream, I'm going to get in trouble. That's getting attention. Right. Doesn't matter if it's good attention or bad. I'm getting attention. Right. So he's, you know, he's uh, he's a, a little asshole pulling his sister's hair, getting on YouTube <laughs> and thinking it's a good time. Right. What a dick. Speaking of dicks, see, this is the way it's supposed to be done, everybody. You play in the segment talking about the particular asshole and Pat Robertson. Oh, yes. We haven't talked about him for a while now. It is so good when he opens his mouth and all his love and understanding of the human condition comes pouring out. As you know, audience, because you've listened to this show, you know, if you're loyal 130 times, Pat Robertson has a call-in segment or a mail-in segment, a communication segment on his show where people write in and ask a question of him. I don't know why anybody... <laughs> would go to Pat Robertson for advice. But this question was asked of him. From Jane, who says, a co-worker confronted me in the break room and said she can't believe in a God who let her baby of three years old die, suffering a long battle in and out of hospitals while he heals other children. She asked me, why did God allow my baby to die? I told her that I didn't know why her child died, but God sees the whole picture. We see only in part. What else can I say? Oh, well, what... You have to understand, I think, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, it was like God's responsible for everything. He brings out the bad. He brings out the good. He's responsible for everything. Uh, more and more in the New Testament era, we have come to realize that human beings have uh, an agency. They have responsibility. And a lot of things happen because of what humans do. Yeah. I mean, people die in hospitals because of mal medical malpractice. Uh, somebody uh, cuts the wrong thing and somebody dies. It happens all the time. A nurse gives a patient the wrong medicine. Well, you going to blame that on God? That's not God. That's people uh, who are making mistakes. Now, as far as God's concerned, he knows the end from the beginning. And he sees a little baby 
And that little baby could grow up to be Adolf Hitler. He could grow up to be Joseph Stalin. He could grow up to be uh, some uh, serial killer. Or he could go up to die of a hideous disease. God sees all that. And for that life to be terminated while he's a baby, he's going to be with God forever in heaven. So that isn't a bad thing. So how could God do that? How could a good God let that happen? Well, the good God is going to take that baby to heaven right now. And that isn't a bad thing. So there are several things. (laughs) It is... These are the moments that make doing this show so beautiful, Brittany Page. I love moments like this. I don't know about, I don't know how much I love it, but <laughs> it's happening. So so his logic is just completely effed here. I, I have no idea what's going on. I know. Well, it, 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 it baffles me how he can say these things and be so versed in the scriptures of the Bible, but not ever question like, huh. Everything I just said kind of fought against itself. <laughs> right. Because none of it really meshed with each other. And no. also, even if you ask the most basic of logical questions, it starts to fucking cave in on itself. <laughs> God damn. Right. So he's saying this baby could have been Hitler. Yeah. Okay. So well, then the next logical question that follows when someone says that is, well, why didn't God kill Hitler? Well, I didn't even think of that one. Yes. That wouldn't. That's awesome. So Pat Robertson saying that God has the ability to know what someone's going to turn out to be. Well, he could have remedied that sitch, couldn't he? Have? Yeah. Sounds right. like he could have. Well, if he's killing this baby because he could have been Hitler, why didn't he kill the actual baby Hitler? Right. <laughs> and, and so then one of the things you also hear Christians talk about is how, well, humans have free will. Right. But according to Pat Robertson here, this baby may not have had free will because God knew what it was going to become, a possible Hitler anyway. Yeah, the words he used were, God sees the end from the beginning. So that doesn't there is, sound like free will. That's not free will. If you if God allows a child to be born, creates a child in his own image, knowing it's going to be a Hitler, well, that child doesn't have free will. Right. He didn't have free will in in the process of being born. Didn't chose didn't choose to be born. God knows he's going to be Hitler, and then allows it. Right, and he started his answer talking about how there could be human errors. Exactly. That's the thing that bothered me, is I was like, oh, wow. Well, you know, that's uh, he's making a little sense. And then he took a U-turn straight into fucking crazy town. Right. Well, those things are mutually exclusive. It's the humans are making an error, and apparently God knows if the human is going to make an error, though, because the next thing that he said is that God can see into the future, and he knows what people right. are going to become. Yep. So. Still, God is involved in the human making the error, according to Pat Robertson, what he said after he talked about the human error. Is this making sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) yes. The insanity of it makes perfect sense, or it makes sense that it's crazy. (laughs) Right. And so if he's going to take this position about this, what about aborted fetuses? Yeah. I mean, God knew what was going to happen to the fetus, according to him. Maybe it was just going to be millions of Hitlers, Brittany. How do we know? We can't know that. It's only God knows. It is such utter and complete bullshit that it's it's beautiful. And here's what bothers me. See, this woman that's sitting next to him, as he's talking, she could just be taking the notes that we were, okay, right, having right. these next logical questions to follow. And it would have been awesome if she just would have been like, Well, why didn't God just kill baby Hitler then? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
if she had a, a breakthrough moment while he was speaking and just think, asked that question. I think she likes her paycheck too much to start questioning the boss man. I wonder how much she does make to sit there and read him these questions from people that are desperate for an answer. You know, here's what I think. I've talked about this on the show lots, that I, I really think that he is in some... Some level on the spectrum of senility. Something's going on with him. He's getting old. He's old as shit. And even his, you know, quarter of a billion dollar amassed wealth won't help him. But he's 85. He does start. There is a weird thing where he starts into like a logical answer because he thinks, you know, that I am assuming he thinks that this is the way I should answer the question. And then it's too the 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 the, the pull into the nuttiness is too great. <laughs> it's like a, a magnet that gets flipped on and he just ah, he veers into crazy town. The nutty pull. Abs- yes, that's exactly right. He's pulled in because it's just too tantalizing to not bring up that that baby who died horrible death from whatever brain cancer or whatever was talked about that, well, it's likely that baby was going to be Hitler and that's why God killed it. Which, by the way, not going to make someone feel better. Yeah. No. Oh, so either my baby died a terrible, painful death, untimely death, or... I had a baby Hitler. Or I had a baby Hitler. <laughs> I mean, goddamn. I created another baby Hitler. Uh, I, and he is worth $250 million. Right. I mean, goddamn. That people still that that's the thing. That's why we play these clips. People say, "Well, he's fringe. He's not fringe. He has amassed a massive fortune. He has an active donor list. People still listen to his show. It's not just right wing watch <laughs> that watches the Seven Hundred Club. He has people who there's probably hundreds of people who write letters, and they only pick the few for him to answer." Right. It's it's a, if it wasn't so goddamn tragic funny, it would be it would be terribly sad. Right. I keep saying that, but maybe it's the other way around. If it wasn't so tragic and sad, it would be funny. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just a sick freak who laughs at things that shouldn't be laughed at. That's it. Bingo. <laughs> so next up on the long running track of assholes that we're talking about right now, Franklin Graham. And here's another guy with hundred, you know, over a hundred million dollars. Franklin Graham has pulled his money out of Wells Fargo because of a commercial they recently ran. Graham announced last Friday that he was pulling the hundred and twenty-eight million dollars. <coughs> sorry, sorry. I was drinking coffee. I didn't know it was one hundred twenty-eight million. I. When I said over $100 million, I thought that was his personal wealth. I didn't know he had in like some kind of a charitable trust fund that much money. Yes, he's... <clears throat> Sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, he's pulling the $128 million account for his nonprofit organization, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, out of Wells Fargo Bank. Now, why is he doing this? Well, they ran an ad that featured a lesbian couple. So this really upset him, and he is now encouraging other Christians to follow his lead and boycott any business that promotes the gay lifestyle. This includes Wells Fargo, Starbucks, Tiffany's, and Nike. And just a little tip about the Nike sitch is that... very funny. ISIS also has banned Nike. Right. The Islamic State 
and Franklin Graham have more in common than you might think. <laughs> right. And so ISIS, the reason for them doing it, they are worried about Nike for two reasons. First, as noted in the ISIS flyer written in Arabic, beware young men of dangerous foreign words and symbols that the non-believers have on our clothes. So they don't like the... The swoosh? The little check mark, yeah. The, it, sw- the swoosh. It's a swoosh. The swoosh. It's not a check mark. <laughs> I also just said swish. Um, what, did, what do they believe it means? Did, did they, does it say there? Well, no, but it's just a foreign symbol that the non-believers right. are wearing and they're non-believers and it's the West and, you know, it's all a problem. You know, because symbols, they, they really, they uh, affect your life. Okay. So the second reason is that the word Nike in Arabic means, um, it means the F word. <laughs> I-N-G. Really? Yeah. Nike means Fuck. Ing. Oh, fucking. Yes. Oh, wow. When pronounced as Nike without the long E sound that we add for the sneaker company. Hmm. So. So they're just, they're fucking around. Walking, fucking. Running and fucking. Um, and so the ISIS flyer doesn't note this part, but air, the generic English word, is also closely associated with the sneaker, right? Nike Air. Right, right. This means penis. So they don't understand the difference in, in that languages have words that mean different things or words that sound alike. It just, God damn. Right. So Nike Air means... Fucking dick. No, penis. Oh, penis. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. So this is a little too um, <laughs> vulgar for ISIS. I don't know. That's very confusing, <laughs> but... um. That's that's too much for them. So Franklin Graham has a lot in common. Yeah, I, here absolutely with wanting to ban companies because he is not a fan of what they're doing, or n- maybe not wanting to ban them, but certainly want to organize boycotts and protests against them. Um, Franklin Graham, who knew that he had a nonprofit organization that had that still possessed one hundred and twenty-eight million dollars. Why is he not out there with that money actually doing something with it? Yeah, why is it just sitting in the bank? That's a lot of money that could feed a lot of starving people. Yeah, unbelievable. It's I mean, it's not really that shocking to me, given that it's Franklin Graham, who is one of the most hateful voices out there. Just a, a fuck. Unbelievable. All right, we'll move on here. Pope Francis, friend of the show, Pope Fa- Francis... <laughs> He is set to uh, set up some tribunals to prosecute members of the clergy who were complicit in moving different child molesting, child rapist priests from parish to parish. The tribunal will have the power to punish bishops who failed to protect young victims. Survivors groups have long called for the Vatican to do more to make bishops accountable for a view for abuse on their watch. Last year, the UN strongly criticized the church for failing to stamp out the abuse and for allowing cover-ups. A statement from the Vatican said the department would come under the auspices of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Its aim would be, quote, to judge bishops with regard to crimes of the abuse of office when connected to the abuse of minors. It's funny, that 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 section of the Vatican that, that you just mentioned. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith? Yeah, it, that's the same office of the Vatican that was in charge of the Inquisition. Mm. (laughs) 
Uh-oh. It's the same section of the Vatican that the previous pope, um, Nazi youth pope, Benedict, that he ran when he was a cardinal. So here's my thing on this. The jury's out. No pun intended because it's a tribunal. I'm going to wait and see what happens here because liberal America and liberal planet Earth loves this pope. They fucking, they cannot get enough of Pope Francis because he loves to wash the feet, feet, feet of the poor and he loves to, you know, do non-traditional pope type activities. We don't know what he's actually going to do. Just because a tribunal will have the power to do something doesn't mean it will actually exert that power. We Until they start jailing bishops, until, and I don't mean just like, oh, we're going to dock their pay or defrock them from being a bishop or de- demote them. I want to see criminal prosecutions and jail time. Right, because right now they're just saying judged. They're using the word judged. Right. Okay, well, does that mean that they're going to be judged in the church and then that's it? Yeah, I don't want, oh, well... We put a very tersely worded uh, letter of <laughs> reprimand in their record, their permanent record. Yeah. You know, I don't want to. Who cares? Right. Until I see jail time and harsh punishments come down for the cover up of thousands of brutal child rapes, it's not enough. Right. So the tribunal is the idea of the Pope's own 17 member commission on sex abuse. Marie Collins, herself a survivor of sex abuse, is one of the commission's members. She tweeted that she is very pleased that the Pope has agreed to the body's recommendation. But the campaign group, the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, says that it will withhold judgment until it sees if and how the tribunal might act. So this group, the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, agrees with you. They're going to wait to see wait to say if this is positive or negative until they see, well, what's really going to happen Good. with this tribunal. Right. Well, and this that doesn't just go for this. I'm a wait and see guy relative to this Pope on everything because actions speak louder than words. And he can say all this stuff about, you know, gays being in the, in the, in the congregation and, and love for them and who am I to judge and all that bullshit. But l- let's see what the actions because that's going to prove what's in the heart. So we'll see. I, I don't hold out a lot of hope, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Good news. Not, not wildly unexpected news, but good news coming out of the American Medical Association. They have formally come out against religious exemptions for vaccines or for those parents who are not wanting to vaccinate their child or their children, the American Medical Association has said, no, we're not a fan of that. The nation's largest doctors group says parents should not be able to refuse to have their kids vaccinated for personal or religious reasons. That's because of the health risks unvaccinated kids pose to others. At its annual policymaking meeting in Chicago on Monday, the AMA said it would support efforts to end those exemptions in state immunization mandates. Again, let's talk about this because... What kind of a topsy-turvy world do we live in that West Virginia and Mississippi are the only states in the union where there there is no religious exemption? Mm-hmm. It's nope. Everybody gets vaccinated. You have a religious exemption? Take that shit to California <laughs> where where those hippies live because we're not allowing that. Well, you can marry your first cousin here. That's right. It's just, it's, 
it baffles me. I mean, listen, it doesn't take much to baffle Jesse Dollimore, but it really weirds me out that those two states particularly are the ones who are coming down with the logic and reason and not allowing a religious exemption. So the American Medical Association also adopted a policy saying there's no medically valid reason for the military's ban on transgendered service members, and it agreed to organize efforts to create guidelines for assessing whether older physicians remain competent to safely treat patients. That seems like they should have already done that. Yeah, right? <laughs> the creating the guidelines to ensure that <laughs> older physicians are competent. I... I don't know. Well, I think it's that 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 lean toward political correctness that age it's ageist. It's ageist. Listen, if you're an old man or you're an old woman and you got the old shaky Jake going, I don't want you operating on me because you you got the the resting tremors or you know you you start doing the old little shaky thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I was under the impression that, you know, being a doctor is one of those professions where, where you need to regularly be taking classes to update what you know. Right. And ensuring that you're up to date on the latest science and how to treat people. And I thought that was already just automatically ingrained well, in the profession. Maybe what they're talking about is actually sitting down and setting guidelines. Oh, okay. And not oh, just... Oh, for assessing whether they're competent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like creating an assessment to ensure competency. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, I mean, any progress is good progress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Especially when, you know, there are aging surgeons and doctors who, who take care of critical care issues. We definitely want, and this we're getting sidetracked here because we we're talking about vaccinations, but... Uh, we definitely want some kind of, of, of gauge to measure their competency. So good for them. Awesome. Any progress is good progress. Speaking of uh, progress, holy shit. TSA, we talked about this last week or the week before. I'm not sure how many episodes ago. But the TSA, they recently had an issue where 67 out of 70 attempts to start sneak in guns or explosives by regular old office folk, not trained agents, 95, I think was the percentage, 95% of the time they were able to get a gun or an explosive in. Terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Well, just recently, over the last couple of days, another bit of bad information has been revealed relative to the TSA and they're failing to identify at least 73 workers in the airline realm, in the airline industry, who have close ties to terrorism. The agency in charge of protecting Americans in the sky missed some of its own employees on the ground. That's according to a federal report in, in which the people found the Transportation Security Administration failed to notice at least 73 airline industry workers who had links to terrorism. Some of those people reportedly worked for major airlines and some were vendors inside airports. According to the report, the TSA may have missed those names because the agency is not allowed to access the entire terror watch list. Think of that. The TSA is not allowed to access the entire terror watch list. The report found that the TSA is generally effective in vetting aviation workers. <laughs> A TSA spokesman says the agency has conducted more random screenings of aviation workers since December. Last week, we learned the TSA screeners across the country missed fake bombs and illegal weapons 96% of the time during a series of tests, which isn't bad. 
A newspaper called USA Today published an editorial from a member of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. The Nebraska Republican Ben Sass says he warns that the classified details from that investigation are even worse than what all of us out in the public know. Uh, you know, this just goes, and this I don't want to just <laughs> make assumptions based on one item that happens, but it really goes, listen, the government is not very capable when it comes to important things. What? This is another, just another example of them fucking it up. There's 73, almost 100 people with terrorist ties who work in a critical facet. Transportation is a critical. Have we learned nothing from 9-11? Have we learned nothing from the different terrorist attacks across the, the world? Global terrorism hones in on transportation. And when the Transportation Security Administration doesn't have full access to the terror watch list, to the to the full terror watch list, it's the same thing pre-9-11 where the FBI and the CIA were not allowed to share investigative details. It's, what in the fuck are we doing? We're, we're getting right back into the same mistakes that led to not catching 9-11 before it happened. Right. It's it's extremely disturbing. And what's going on right now? Are they doing all the TSA investigations at one time right now this month? I don't know. Year? I don't know. It's bad news for them, though. I, I mean, know. This <laughs> is coming out in one week. One week, there's been two very bad stories. Well, maybe it's because the, the TSA administrator is no longer there. The chief had to step down right. after the last thing. So maybe it's, I don't know. This is clearly just speculation, but... Maybe it was the details he wasn't allowing out right away. And now that he's gone, the floodgates have opened and the shit's going to start pouring out. Right. I don't know. All right. Well, I tell you what, let's get out of the scary bullshit. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> let's move on to a little research, however, not Pew Research. This is a Gallup organization kind of uh, numbers, and it deals with morality and Americans. Right. So this is the five things we've learned about Americans and moral values, because Gallup just released their latest moral value research and, and survey data that they just compiled. And so now they've taken the five notable things from that, and we're going to review their summary. Let's do it. Number one, the shift toward more liberal attitudes on a number of social and values issues has occurred across the age spectrum, not just among young people. Th that's good to hear. The changes are not the result of solely the ripple effect wherein young millennials adopt new positions on moral issues and as they age, take their new values with them through the age cycle, gradually replacing older people who die off. Instead, we have seen the 65 years and older group move as much to the left as the shift among 18 to 29 year olds over the past decade and a half. As much as? That's what they say. Wow, that's awesome. Differences continue to persist between age groups, but what we have seen is a rising tide that has lifted all ships on this sea of moral behavior. <laughs> all right, Gallup. Getting a little creative there. That's great. Right. So what's number two? Americans... Oh, hang on, hang on. Before you... I think that is good news. Yes. And surprising news because typically and traditionally when you think about old people, it's, they're set in their ways, the whole you can't teach old dogs new tricks kind of things. And it means, I don't know if it's it's because of like technology and the access to information. 
but it seems as though they're not stuck in their ways, that they are coming around on issues. I don't know exactly what the issues are, but it would seem to me like gay marriage. That's one. Okay. So they talk about that shift in the past 14 years. So comparing Americans aged 55 and older, it's 28 percentage points that that shift has occurred among gay and lesbian relationships. And in 18 to 34 year olds, it's been 27 points. Wow. So so more. Right. There's been more of a shift. That's awesome. So that's what they mean when they said almost the same. Yeah, that's super good. All right. uh, Are we ready to move on to number two? Yes. Americans have not shifted their views of all moral issues over time. The notable exception is the Americans' public views of married men and women having an affair, which has not changed. That particular behavior remains essentially culturally taboo in the sense that it is viewed as morally unacceptable to 90% of the public, Right. even as other behaviors rating, relating to sexual behavior and procreation have shifted. Hmm. Not, I mean, not really surprising. I think that it's generally understood that violating and going against your vow of marriage, you know, if, if unless it's previously understood that, hey, we're going to have sex with other people, you're, you're violating the trust of your partner. Well, what's interesting is, and they say this here, the prevalence of these behaviors has not changed the norms surrounding them. Yeah, because it's, st- it's still as prevalent or more prevalent to cheat, but it's universally understood as shitty right and you see it all the time with you know presidential candidates and senators and people in the public eye are always getting busted right for having an affair and you know it angers the the general public but it still seems pretty common yeah i don't know but then everyone is still angry about it so it's kind of (laughs) confusing right right all right number three The largest shifts in cultural attitudes have been those relating to gay and lesbian issues. We talked about that kind of in the first point. And I don't think this is surprising either because it's always in your face. I think we talk about it a lot on this show. I think you hear a lot about it in the news. The Supreme Court is currently discussing it and we should be hearing that issue that decision soon so it's such a prevalent thing that's always being talked about that i think people are being forced to come to terms with the norm well i think it's also it's a matter of we understand more now than we did let's say in 1965 when it was considered a mental illness or some kind of a psychological disorder now we understand way more genetic we've mapped the human fucking genome we understand a lot more about everything than we did then. And, you know, that kind of understanding has an effect on people who think clearly. Right. And Gallup says gay and lesbian leaders have very shrewdly positioned gay and lesbian rights as a civil rights issue, making it more difficult for others to oppose the changes. Additionally, fewer Americans now than in the past have formal religious identities. And this loosening impact of religion could also be a factor. Right. Well, also, the swing toward um, a lack of religiosity in America, like we've learned in recent months, I'm sure has some kind of play. Right. Number number four. Despite these shifts in attitudes, 72% of Americans say that the state of moral values is getting worse in this country rather than better. And almost as many rate the state of moral values in this country as poor or only fair. Really? That, so people think that it's getting worse morally in our country? Right. I, I wouldn't... I would be the opposite of that. I would say that we are moving toward 
uh, equality for the gay, lesbian, transgendered community, for me, that's a big moral movement. I think I would disagree. I would be on the other side of that. Right. So Gallup says, in part, this can be explained by understanding that when Americans are asked about moral values, how would you rate the overall state of moral values in this country today as excellent, good, only fair or poor? And right now, do you think the state of moral values in this country as a whole is getting better or getting worse? They are thinking about things other than just the norms surrounding sexual behavior and reproductive issues. When Gallup asked Americans a few years ago to talk about what was wrong with moral values, many responded by talking about the lack of consideration for others, deficits in the public compassion, personal accountability, respect and tolerance, greed, selfishness, dishonesty, in addition to things such as the change in family structure, lack of religion, lack of moral morals, and a fairly small percentage who mention sexual promiscuity, abortion, and gay marriage specifically. So you have a large portion of Americans that are answering this question thinking about issues like greed, dishonesty, those issues, and not necessarily thinking in terms of gay marriage and those things. So that could, that, that could explain that. I would even, I wouldn't even consider sexual promiscuity an issue of morality. If two people consent and they're not fucking around on a spouse to which they've vowed, you know, monogamy. How is that a moral issue? Right. It's fucking, it's a weird, it's, I'm thankful we're moving out of that and we're moving into modernity or a state of modernity that is more progressive than we're currently in. It's awesome. All right, number five, wrapping it up. All cultural shifts have consequences. One such consequence is politics. The New York Times columnist Charles Blow recently reviewed Gallup data discussing the political implications of these normative changes in a recent opinion piece, noting, quote, This change, more liberal positions on social issues, poses a particular challenge for the Republican Party and its national aspirations, not so much as the congressional seats, many of which are safe, but for presidential candidates. Part of the issue, as the likely candidate Jeb Bush put it last year, is that for a Republican to become president, he or she would have to be willing to, quote, lose the primary to win the general election. It was a catchy phrase and everyone understood what he was saying. Don't allow the Republican debates and primaries to drag you so far right that you will never be able to recover in the general election. But the problem is that there is no way to compete in the general without first winning primaries and securing that nomination. It it is something I talk about all the time relative to the issue and the, the massive problem that the Republican Party faces right now. That you have to be weirdo anti-gay marriage you have to be so far right in all of these these issues you know those goddamn welfare moms pulled themselves up out in bootstraps you have to be that kind of a republican in order to get to the general election and you're then you're then you're not viable in a general election because we are a right center right country and most people aren't radical right-wingers. Right. Unfortunately, the base of the Republican Party is the people who are making the decisions in that primary election, they are that radical right-wing. Right. And so they end this by saying, generally speaking, there is little doubt that it's likely to be a more difficult environment in this election for conservative candidates to focus on specific moral issues than has been the case in previous cycles. And I'm sure they're specifically referencing the gay marriage issue, which I mean, the Supreme Court is getting ready to make their decision. And if their decision is a okay with the gay marriage, 
all the Republican candidates are going to have to figure out what that means. I mean, when the Supreme Court of the United States has handed down this sentence to the country, what are all of those Republican candidates going to do? I, I'm very eager to see. I'm very, very eager to see. Because it's, it's one of those things where they're going to they're gonna pull a Mike Huckabee and shoot themselves right in the dick <laughs> by supporting Josh Duggar. Well, if you go against the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, I would venture to say that they're probably going to do some, some word, some fancy footwork verbally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, well, you know, the, the court has spoken, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have to hub it up. There have been several Republicans who have come around on the on the Obamacare thing because of the fact that the Supreme Court has, you know, allowed it, right, ruled in favor of. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm very, as I hope the rest of the audience is, very interested to see how this goes down. All right, let's wrap it up with some good good news. Ish, kinda. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird story. Andrea and Zoe Green need $105 for their Father's Day present. We were trying to raise some money so we can take our dad to Splash Kingdom. The seven and eight-year-old sisters have an entrepreneurial spirit. The girls are always into making money and earning their own money. And what better way this early June than an old-fashioned lemonade stand? They even added a sweet snack with a bargain. We had kettle corn and, and lemonade. The um, lemonade was for 50 cents and the kettle corn was for $1. And if you got both of them, it was only for $1. They'd been open for about an hour, had already made more than $25 when the summertime fun came to a stop with a visit from Overton Police, initially because the girls were set up just off the curb in a residential street. And we were there for about an hour and the police department pulled up, the code enforcement officer and the chief. She called me to the side and said we needed a permit. A peddler's permit first. The city, though, agreed to waive the $150 fee for the girls. The health department, though, that would prove a bigger problem. It, it is a lemonade stand, but we also have to have a, we have a permit they're required to get. Texas House Bill 970 prohibits the sale of food which requires time or temperature control to prevent spoilage. By law, the girls can't sell it without an inspection and permit. I think, I think that's ridiculous. I think they're seven and eight. They're just trying to make money for their own cause. Ridiculous or not, it's the law, and Overton police say they'll enforce it. We have to follow by the health, state health guidelines. What a dick. You know what I mean? He, here's the thing. I understand that the health, the health department has a valid reasonable job to do that they they want to maintain the businesses like restaurants and coffee shops and make sure that they're doing well and doing right by the public however there is something that is being lost here relative to common sense and what i would consider kind of the reasonable man clause and that's if you walk up to two fucking five-year-olds and six-year-olds at their lemonade stand, you are assuming the risk that everything might not be up to Brittany Page standards. <laughs> well, that's of, for sure. Of hygiene. You know what I mean? Yes. Listen, if you're eating their kettle corn and drinking their you know, lukewarm goddamn lemonade, <laughs> you, you know 
I'm taking a risk here. I might get a little tum time. I might get a little <laughs> sick after drinking these kids who have had, you know, their their hands scratching their little itchy assholes and picking their noses. Oh God. They're they're kids. Hand mixing the lemonade like That's right. Like on vacation. A, right. <laughs> so you're assuming the risk as an adult when you do business with a fucking child. <laughs> There's no need for the health department to get involved. Yeah, it's they're kids. I mean, that that guy that was being interviewed had to feel weird about saying, yeah, I know they're kids and they're just making lemonade, but they need a permit. I mean... <laughs> well, yeah, they need to schedule with the busy health department so they can come down and inspect their operation. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> what if they don't have proper the drainage? Well, where did you make this? We need to... Ins- you know, uh, it's just... It's... That guy, I hope he was embarrassed when he was answering the news question. Let me ask you this, Brittany. Mm -hmm. When you had your lemonade stand as a child, because I hear stories about the the grand nature of your wonderfully built, Mm -hmm. almost, when you you mention it to me and you describe it to me, I envision like Lucy from the Peanuts having her psychology, like it's built like that. Yes. Like with an awning and yeah. just super awesome. It was built like that. Did you have the health department come down and inspect your uh, your little Brittany Page operation? Because your operation was probably run like a like an absolutely sanitary business. Yeah, they never did. But I did clean the counter off a lot. I had wipes that I would clean the counter off. I bet. And then I had lemonade that I made from, you know, the... Just the like country time. Yeah, country powder. time. Right. Powder. Yeah. And <laughs> then I had a fake cash register because I wanted to be a cashier when I grew up and You're reaching for the stars. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And a cop came by one time and he gave me $40 for a cup of lemonade. So not only did you not get inspected, you were supported by your local government. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was an awesome day. I cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. $40. Did you make anything else or just the $40? I probably just packed it up after that happened and (laughs) (laughs) drank the rest of the lemonade myself. I don't need to sell the rest of this. I'm good. That is awesome. I don't know what's going on in Overton, Texas, but goddamn, they need to relax a little bit. They need to be more like Meridian, Idaho. Well, they need to, you know, maybe sit in a lawn chair, have a tall, cool glass of lemonade, <laughs> or maybe a lukewarm one. Who knows? Yeah, some just a handful of kettle corn. It's delicious. Ease, ease up there, guys. All right, with that, we were going to leave you. Before we do, though, I'm going to beg you to go to dollamore.com and use the Amazon link to get to amazon.com to use it to purchase all of the things that you're going to purchase anyway. As we always say on the show, if you're going to spend your money anyway there, why not use our link and support your favorite show that comes on twice weekly without fail, never skipping a day, never putting out a late episode ever. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us as much as you do. We love every single one of you and every single minute that you spend listening to the show. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I hate him with a perfect hatred.